I'm Stella, and I'm going to take you out for dinner. But in this episode, the table is going to be a little bit more crowded. This interview marks the beginning of my collaboration with Zach Whittle, co-director of Rogues in Hackney. On our days off, Zach will be whisking me away to meet his tight-knit network of London chefs, the successful and sweaty gems of the boroughs. You're with each other for you know, 16 time. hours a day, often five, six days a week. The connection, or the, if, if you click with someone, it's like the bond grows. Like you, you could know someone three months, but it can feel like three years very easily. First on our hit list is Lee Westcott, the Michelin star chef from Hertfordshire. Do not be fooled by Lee's charmingly humble persona. I think chefs come from similar backgrounds where the work ethic is like you're a grafter. This man has an astonishing roster of accolades, from a Michelin star to multiple AA rosettes, and winning Restaurant of the Year in the Sustainable Lifestyle Awards. If you're full with loads of chefs, you know you're doing a good thing. And if chefs keep going back and they keep fucking singing your praises, that's for me the biggest compliment you could ever have. Although Lee is known for being a brilliant chef and an excellent mentor in the kitchen, you're about to get to know him as a person. My personal life, I'm an introvert, and my job, I'm the opposite, basically. Swaddled in the safety blanket of a 20-year-long friendship and a couple of beers, Lee Westcott reveals all. It's funny, right? I've always lied about this. It's the first time I've actually... I've always said, like, my first job was in a country pub. It wasn't. From being a fake football fan... He doesn't even fucking watch football. I was watching... Football. He I went was... to the World Cup and watched every game. He went to the uh, World Cup final. That's so cool. And it, for me, do you know what? I fell in love with football, right? I came back and I was like, oh, that's it. I love football. I haven't watched games since. To being thrown in the deep end by his boss. You now know I can't back out. I was yeah, like, I told you I'm not ready. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So, I don't know how you guys know each other. I feel a bit like the odd one out. Explain how you guys met. Well, that's a good question. Mm. We met... Well, we met at Windows, Galvin at Windows, which is on top of the Hilton. Zach wasn't my boss. Park Lane. Well, I wasn't really. Why well, not? He was, he was <laughs> my superior. Yeah. I guess well, so he was he was, yeah. in, he was in charge yeah sometimes I was but I had been there before Lee started for how long? probably long a year and the chef the chef at the time was Andre Garrett and I'd worked for him previously in a restaurant called The Orrery I knew him and a few of the guys already I'd known him and sort of built a bit of a relationship with him so when I went there to work for him I think I was a junior sous junior sous chef yeah. So now and again, I'd be in charge like, on a Sunday, basically when no one so, else. So junior sue is like if you're not if you don't know the ranks, I guess it is. Junior sue is like third in charge, I'd say. Is that right? Yeah. So it depends on the size of the restaurant. It was probably an 18-man team. So there was like head chef, senior sous chef, couple of sous chefs, and then junior sous chef. Okay. And what was your role? Chef de pie. So that's like. Someone that can run a section, basically. Fish, meat, larder, garnish, pastry. And it's that's Junior Sue's job to make sure they do their job. Okay. So he was, he was so essentially he was my, he was my boss, but he was the best boss. He was, <laughs> ni- he was nice to me. And we bonded over music, I think. Didn't yeah, we? I, I think, think that's how we got become friends. It's funny in kitchens, obviously, like you grow up with friends. Yeah, you're like your homemates, yeah. But then in kitchens, I find quite often, because you spend so much time together, you're with each other for, you know, 16 time, hours yeah. a day, often five, six days a week. The connection, or the, if, if you 
click with someone. It's like the bond growth. Like you, you could know someone three months, but it can feel like three years very easily because you're sort of. I think also kitchens like I think chefs come from similar backgrounds where the work ethic is like you're a grafter. Yeah, I think especially with English chefs. Yeah, so we bonded on that. We were like both grafters, but we also liked music, and not not a lot of chefs like music. I would say. Not that they don't like music. I'd say they're the same kind of music. Yeah. They love football. They like... But we bonded over music. It's like live hard, play hard. The rock it? and roll aspect Yeah, like you work it. all day and then go out... And party. And party and listen to that sort of stuff. But we were quite... Yeah, like into bands and stuff. And yeah, we like the same sort of music, really. Old school stuff, really. Yeah. What was that? Like The Doors. <clears throat> we bonded over Jim Morrison. You love Jim Morrison. Yeah. And then just bands at the time, like Arctic Monkeys, Jamie T, Libertines, stuff like that. It was that indie era, wasn't it? Yeah, so I suppose, yeah, put a bit of perspective. When that, when was that? That must have been like 2000 and... I couldn't tell you. 2007. Fuck, that was a long time ago. 2006, probably 2006, 2007. Yeah, so we were... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we must have been... Proper friends. Yeah. <laughs> we were about 21. Same age as me. Now we're nearly 40. I know, man. What the fuck? It's fucked, isn't it? This goes so fast. Especially since COVID, time has just gone like that. It's true, yeah. It's like a month just goes like a week, and it's like, mm. fuck, where's that month gone? It's so true. As you get older, time just goes so I know. fast. I'm 37, I'm like, shit, I'm nearly 40. I know. And before you know it, I'll be 40. Well, we, we were I don't feel 40, I still feel like a kid. Yeah. We've, oh, all, we've exactly always said that, haven't we? What? We're like not, we're not men. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though, like, my dad's a man. He's like a man, he's like a painter, he's a man. We're just kids still like, roguing it. Rogue, see that? Excuse the pun. <laughs> I wonder when you'll finally feel like you're a grown-up. Never. You, but you both run, you both have very high positions, but you are a business owner and I wanting to learn a bit more about what you do yeah. but you're a head chef somewhere pretty cool yeah how how do you not feel like an adult it's more like like in our heads like mentality wise I don't really want to grow up I'm like Peter Pan <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I just think I suppose what he means is sort of you know we don't have children we're not married we don't own fucking houses or I don't know yeah that's true and all my friends think, do. Yeah, but I think kitchens are like that. You know, time goes so fast. It feels like such a long time ago we met, but also at the same time it feels like yesterday because I yeah, am yeah. literally the same person. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, I suppose you gain more experience and you do different things. For me, I don't, I don't accept I'm an adult yet. I quite like being a kid. I don't think it's like a, it's a, not a negative thing. I, it's I think it's just thing. like a... I think also your jobs are just so busy. Do you actually really even get a moment to oh, self-reflect about feeling like an adult or not? No, yeah. not unless you take time off. And that's like, you take like six months or a year out or whatever, and then you go, oh yeah, I should be an adult. Then you go, actually, no, I don't enjoy that. I'd rather be a chef again than be a kid. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I think we also, especially now, you know, most of our teams, whether... Well, I don't know about yours, but like my team, like I'm the oldest by a long way. So I'm surrounded by young people all the time, which is really good. Keeps a bit relevant. Some of the music this like my my guys <laughs> listen to, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Do you let them play music in the kitchen? Yeah. Well, you yeah. give them a little turn? Uh, honestly, they I'll dictate it. it. Yeah, I put, you know, yeah, anyone can put on whatever they want. But um, 
If it's shit, you'll turn it off. If it's shit, I'll turn it off. You put on what you want, if it's shit, I'm turning it off. And if it's really shit, you're not allowed to be on it. And you're never doing it again. You're not allowed to do it. You're fucking bald. You can't work it. (laughs) You're fired. So what kind of ages are the people you work with at the moment? Oh, honestly, so I've got a brigade of 25 chefs, I think. That's big. Yeah, so I've got, there's two restaurants and a hotel. Plus loads of stuff like events and that. And honestly, like I've got sixteen-year-olds, seventeen-year-olds, I've got forty-five-year-olds, all from different backgrounds. And that's what I love about our job is like we meet people from all different backgrounds, yeah, all different nationalities, and it's like, but you're all there for one sort of goal, and that's to cook food. It's weird, that, like the dynamic's quite odd, but like I really like that because you, yeah. you, you, you would never really get that in another job. I, d- I don't well. Probably, probably that's probably not true, but I don't know. I just like it in the kitchen that you just get all these different yeah, walks of I think life. That was one of the things that made me fall in love with cooking. I mean, I didn't grow up. And I, I think I can speak on your behalf here. I didn't grow up surrounded by like food or yeah, like a culture that. of food. You know, like my dad was a decent cook, and we, we you know we didn't eat shit. But it's not like I, I've stepped in a kitchen. I didn't know what anything was. I didn't know what parsley was or fucking any, you know, literally I didn't know anything. But I think what it was for me when I first stepped in the kitchen before, like, was like, there's no, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, how old you are, where you're from, it doesn't matter about anything, what qualifications you've got at school. It's, it's so, it's such a level playing field. It's like the camaraderie, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you can just become part of a team and part of something really cool. Once you get in there, you're just like part of something. Well, yeah, and there's nowhere to hide. It doesn't matter what at all you did before, you actually have to show that you oh, can yeah. learn and do stuff oh, yeah. in it's, the kitchen. It's black and white. If You've got to prove yourself as yeah, well. If, you, if you're good, you're good. You're shit, you're shit. It doesn't matter. Not so much now, but back in the day, lunch and dinner every day, you had to, no, twice a day, you have to turn up and do your job. Like, you could be For a hanging. long time as well. Yeah, you could be, which we were pretty much solidly for our 20s. Every day at work. Just Why were you even renting a flat, really? You know, oh, basically shoot. living there. You know, you're either hanging or you're napping. I don't, I don't think... I think a good thing to touch on is a lot of people don't realise you are literally knackered. Delirious. Every single day. Like, I don't think I slept more than four hours a night. And that becomes a norm. For about right? fucking ten years. And it's just so physical, the oh, job. yeah. Well, you're on your feet all day. It's hot. Mm. It's stressful. And you get shouted at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that's being called a cunt. No, no I mean, some, some people call it. Sometimes. But like when we met, it was, it was a long time ago, and kitchens have changed. And I think in, in a lot of ways, in a good way. But at the same time, look, I don't want to wrap in cotton wool how it was before. It, it was not the nicest. You know. I think the, the conception of perception people have about kitchens and that, now you know it's like a classic question you get asked by people oh what's it like do you like shout and scream at people no but back in the day it was a lot more prevalent it was just basically there was no excuses if you if you you fucked up you got shit you got shit but at the same time i I respect that yeah but that's what i mean that's that's why it's like now it's probably gone a bit too far the other way where it's like don't worry about it mate just do it again do it tomorrow better but I feel like that you need attitude, balance. Yeah, that attitude you can't have in kitchens. Because you've got people paying a lot of money for, for, for food, you know. They and don't now, have to come. Yeah, and now cost of food to actually buy it in is so expensive. Gotcha. You can't really... 
Make well, no, there's no room for error. No, it mm. can't be anything but exactly how it should be every single time. Like, every time. And you can't say to someone, yeah, sorry, you had a shit meal, mate. But, but things have changed jo- for the jo- better, though. John ain't been to bed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, I probably John's won't come hanging. back. Yeah, you, but back in the day, it was just like that. And I think there was also a lot more, I don't know, there were like people knocking on the back doors of restaurants looking for, like, the demand was so much higher. There's a queue of now, people wanting a job. So many restaurants just in the shit for staff that you end up just sort of taking what back in the day you wouldn't give them the time of day. You'd be like, what, you've turned up here and you ain't got knives with you. Are you having a laugh? Now you're like, don't worry, mate, here's a knife. (laughs) Take mine. Don't worry if you break it. But why is that? Because what other jobs are these, uh, are people who wanted to become chefs, what jobs are they now deciding to do instead? I I don't think it's that. I think it is a cross between... Brexit and COVID. So like even COVID for me, I, I even having that time off made me think, oh shit, I can have evenings off. See my niece and nephew, I can do nice normal stuff that I never yeah. even did. Mm-hmm. I can actually see my mates. I can spend time with my girlfriend. And then I thought, hang about, I don't want to go and do sixteen hours a day again. Mm. And then that and Brexit. So I think <clears> everyone's got that mindset. And then Brexit, there's just like all the Europeans are just not there anymore. Mm. So it's just, yeah, it's difficult. And they're, they're some of the best chefs, you know, like Spanish, the French, Italians, they're like, mm. they're solid, Bring solid cooks. such exciting knowledge. Yeah, and like it's, I love working with these people as well, because you just... Yeah, I don't know if it's, it's so much the knowledge thing. I think fundamentally, agencies were probably not the best thing for restaurants. No, well, before, if you wanted to work in a good restaurant, you would literally either go there, knock on the back door and say, is there any job. room? Yeah. I'd love to work here. And nine times out of ten, you probably have to work a week for nothing and prove that you really want to work there. And then you might get in the door and, you know, get paid for fuck all. But if it was such a good restaurant, you'd do it because you think... It'd be on your CV. Yeah, because it would be worth it in the long run. You know, what you get out of it would be... Well, you know, you, it's like building your career, isn't it? It's built on the back of what, what you've done. Um, but then agencies came along and now... It's the norm for if you want a job, you go to an agency and they say, right, well, there's an opening here and an opening there, but... All they do is send the CV. But what they... But what... Obviously, being an agency, they're taking commission from every person they put in a restaurant. So it's costing you more money. And they're also saying to people, yeah, I can get you this much money. So it's just hiked up, basically, what employers have to pay. See, that's another thing. Back in the day, it was probably too far the other way where you would pay the pittance and asked to work ridiculous pretty much twice as much as you were contracted to but then yeah it's one of them isn't it it was your choice you, you didn't have to do it but at the same time if you wanted to do it and you got on and you got your head down and you did two years in a like even two years in a one star back in the day you know you were that meant so much now does it, it really doesn't mean much? Same way, does no. it? No. no. Well, but the problem is, is now in London it it costs so much to live that yeah. previously, you know, if you were being paid pittance, but you could still afford your what five hundred pound rent yeah. per month, that's fine. But now rooms are a thousand pounds. If someone offers you a job for a thousand pounds a month, you're not going to fucking it's funny you can't like, pay for it. Well, yeah, because you literally can't. You li- you literally can't do that job. Mm. I for me and you, I remember this like all my wages when I'm living, and we used to save. Mm. and go out once a month and we go to the bougiest restaurant for lunch and we get all dressed up <laughs> and we sit there in, in silence <laughs> it'd be awkward because like, we go to the fine dining restaurants were yeah. like weird and awkward then right and they were like 
you had to like be quiet. You couldn't talk. There was, you know, it's changed massively. Yeah, it was now. very stiff. It was really well. Most of good restaurants in London back in the day. Well, certainly the ones we went to or the ones we thought were really good. They were quite stiff in terms of you know waiters had uniforms and tablecloths. But the whole restaurant was quiet. It wasn't yeah. like a fun. Yeah, bar. yeah, I remember even like music in restaurants wasn't a thing. It was like yeah. lift music. There was it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was very very different. I think another massive change. You don't have to. Well, you can be a good chef and work in a good restaurant, but it doesn't need. It doesn't need to be like what we're explaining. You it know? doesn't need to be a Michelin star. To no, be it, it can be relaxed. You know, the well, food it's, still, it's, it's like Rogues. I'm sorry, but like Rogues is a fucking great restaurant, but it's fun. Mm. You know, the music's great. Like it's <clears throat> informal, but the food's still banging. That level of food is still there, but people have fun, and that's what going out is all about, right? Having fun. It's not about going out and feeling stuffy and like. Yeah, I think before a restaurant like ours wouldn't be respected or looked at as being any good because it wasn't formal. Yeah, formal and a bit stiff. But I feel like that's even happening with areas in London. Like before, you know, predominantly people would go out to eat and go out to do things in <clears> central. But now people are becoming interested in different kind of areas and they are known for being funky. Oh, 100%. It's not like you go to Hackney to go to a stiff restaurant no, to fun. listen to sh- shit music. Yeah, but 15 yeah. years ago, I mean, I may be wrong, but anywhere, like he was saying, we used to try and go out for lunch once a month. It was always West End. May, you know, a little bit... West London has always had good places, but predominantly anywhere good was in central London. I also I'm, remember getting the bill. <laughs> thinking, fuck me. Looking at him going, oh, I hope they've made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, think, well, should we do a run? Yeah, then, yeah, but then it would so <laughs> obviously work yeah. in a restaurant. But now yeah. there are things that do help. Like, my boyfriend uses the Code app. Mm. Yeah, that definitely helps. Which is quite helpful. Yeah, no, that's a really good thing. Things like that are really nice. And I don't know if they were available before. I don't remember. Well, I don't remember they were available when we were, like, well, younger. But it's definitely a good thing. Yeah, because I've only been in London. <clears> I've only been in... <clears> the hospitality circles were not very long at all maybe a year and a half two years and being here i've definitely realized that i well i don't know previously what was cool before but i feel like restaurants and stuff are definitely having a bit of a change just like you're saying Mm. with what kind of people go to restaurants where you go what you expect from your dining experience is definitely changing yeah there's so much more accessible and it's for the better as well. 100%. Like people are actually going out and having fun. Mm. Before I thought restaurants were about the restaurant or the chef. And now I feel like it's about the customer, the guest, sorry, having a good experience. Oh, rather, 100%. Rather than like sort of wanking over the chef or the restaurant. It's more about like, sorry, excuse my French. Um, it's more about like actually that person that's paying having a good fucking time. Yeah, I think opening rows has really opened my eyes to that. You know, you get... Working in kitchens, like on our way up and stuff, you get so bogged down and caught like, up in it all. Yeah. Oh my god, the fucking the egos. The mm. chervil is is in the wrong place and stuff. And you just think it's chervil. But back then, it really was a big like literally, you'd get bollocked for something so silly, and like cutting vegetables, for example, into shapes and stuff. And, and also wastage. You'd, yeah. you'd waste so oh, much to make yeah. it look perfect but it's like this is completely not not okay whereas now it's it's cool people are doing different cuts of meat like silo yeah yeah what they do is really really great i think they're a pioneering restaurant really in terms of that 
I think everyone's got to get on board in some... It's all about no waste, isn't it? Yeah, in some way, shape or form, everyone's got to start thinking differently. And we do our very best here in terms of sourcing produce and, you know, trying to use as much British produce as possible. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just not sustainable. You, you have to think about things like balancing the carcass and where you're sourcing everything. Well, otherwise we are all fucked. <laughs> in terms of where you work now, because I feel like I don't actually know exactly yep. what you do. I know you work at a hotel. Yep, that's right. What, what is it like? Um, it's the first big hotel I've done, so it's like, it's really different to what I've, I've, what I've done before. I've had like small sort of independent restaurants. But now I run the whole hotel. There's two restaurants. One's like all day dining, so it's like a British brasserie. The other's more fine dining. It's just opened. And I um, I run it all. But like breakfast, we, we do breakfast. I've never done breakfast in my life. I can't poach an egg. <laughs> Cannot poach an egg. Breakfast is not I remember when I first when I hired my breakfast chef, I was like, are you good at poaching eggs? She was like, yeah, great. I was like, wicked, because I can't. <laughs> you better fucking teach me. <laughs> yeah. I still can't poach an egg. I mean... No, but breakfast for chefs is notoriously like the hardest and the well, most. It's not so much the hardest; it's just the shift. You don't want No do. one wants to do. You got to start at six a.m. every like five days a week. But it does have its but that place. Suits, that suits a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, it does because it's appealing because you obviously finish early. So, you know, a chef that's got a family, for example, it might suit his schedule, which is. Yeah, it might suit the nine to five that his partner does or something. And they can spend time with their partner in evenings and like. Yeah, they've got to get up a few hours earlier, but they're, they're off every night, and that's a, that's a bonus. But they've also got to get up early. So if there's someone that's have a drink, you know, I'd find that difficult. I feel like quite a lot of breakfast chefs fall into that category. Breakfast chefs and, like, night bakers. They're like a... They're, they're, Alcoholics. They're a very unique... <laughs> they're a unique kind of person. Also, bakers have got to start really early. Yeah, like 4 a.m., right? Yeah, really that, late. That's something I couldn't do. 4 a.m., like, my body clock just could not deal with that. A lot of them quite like the fact that it's solitary. They're on their own. Yeah, I think that a lot of the ones I've worked with anyway, it suits them down to the ground because they don't really want to be around people. They just want to be at one with the flower and the water. <laughs> Do you know what I, mean? I feel like I feel like that's just not a thing though. That when I talk to when I've talked to chefs in the past, they've always said, "Oh, I love how how social it is. I love the environment." Yeah, and for most chefs, I think that is one of the the camaraderie of it is is massive higher point for a lot of people mm. and it is, it is for me for sure yeah sorry did I answer your question properly like what I do I'm a chef that runs a hotel what basically. is the hotel it's called Birch it's their second hotel it's in Croydon it, the whole the whole concept of it is like it's on 200 acres so we're growing our own vegetables gonna get our own like animals like lamb and, and sorry like sheep and, and cows and gonna use them in the restaurant but like it's all about like using the land around us and foraging and yeah, so it's a little playground, really. It's quite nice. And it's in London, but it's like... It, that's quite rare in London, having that much space to, like, do that much stuff. Like, yesterday I was driving a golf buggy around all day, and it was great, picking picking random nice, foraging bits. I went about two months ago, before they opened. It's so beautiful, but it's an old hotel with a huge amount of land. I mean, yeah, it is in London, but, Cro- you know, Croydon is on the outskirts of London, but you really feel like you what you could be in the middle of the country and you can't there's not high rise buildings around you can't see anything other than the grounds for a chef it's like it's like a little playground it's great like growing your own veg is like another level like Zach goes to the market and gets his veg instead of buying it from from suppliers sometimes and like that's like amazing but like growing your own veg is like 
well, you, you plant that it, seed yeah. and then you get that and you're like you treat it with the utmost respect and you're, and you're young lads or, t- or sorry like young team like they respect it more than they ever would because they feel like they've had a part in that or they respect it because you've had a part in it if that makes any sense have you ever done that before Growing yeah my veg? last restaurant um, we did it um, we had 1,200 acres so that was incredible what was that Pensons Pensons yeah that where was, was that again in the Midlands, in the middle of fucking nowhere. Whereabouts? Um, in between Worcester and Worcestershire and Herefordshire. Okay, yeah, that is quite random. I'm from Northamptonshire. Okay, I don't know how close that is. Don't know. Lots don't of shears kicking around. Yeah, I don't think it's that close. But the Midlands, yes, it is what a bit of the town? no man's land. Uh, well, cities were Hereford and Worcester. Like near the Malvern Hills. Yeah, really close to that. Yeah, very remote. No, it's great. I just, do you know what? I miss London. London for me is like, mm. has a bit of a soft spot. I have a soft spot for London. I've yeah. like lived in other countries. I've, it's the first time I've lived in another city in the UK apart from London. And I would never do it again. Because mm. just, well, I think once you've experienced London. There's no going back. As really. a chef as well. All your mates are here. The culture. There's just so many different places to work as and well. Like, yeah, you get to like know friends and chefs where like you go to people's restaurants and like. It's just you just feel at home, you know. Yeah, I certainly had that relationship <clears throat> with London. I mean, I'm from London. I was born it, and sometimes you know, London can get you. You know, sometimes it's a fucking hard place to, you know, I had to, to leave. survive. I, I almost, had to leave because yeah. it got me a little bit. And yeah. Then I was like, "Fuck, I miss London." Honestly, any other city I've been to in the world, even like New York or I don't know San Francisco. Mm. I always had a dream of living in New York. Even like Tokyo, amazing places, and I loved going there. But I just thought, it's great, but it's not as good as London. Where do you live right now and where have you lived? I've always London? pretty much lived east or north. I mean, we used to share a, f- a flat yeah. in north, Angel. in Angel. But always pretty much east. I still live in east. Whereabouts do you live in east? Leighton. Where are your favourite restaurants in east? Rogues, obviously. It's my, <laughs> by far my, my favourite restaurant. Uh, I had to say that, right? As no, I'm joking. As I'm um, sleeping in 50 quid. Yeah. <laughs> You owe me, you owe me, you owe me a ten. I was sixty. You said, um, "Perilla is one of my all-time favourites." I'll tell you why it's one of my all-time favourites because it's a chef restaurant. I'm, I'm a bit jealous of it. Like it's a restaurant where sh- chefs go to eat and they fucking love it. I've been there loads of times. It's one of my. F- and I feel like Rose is the same. Like same as Allegra. Like they're just restaurants that if you're full with loads of chefs, you know you're doing a good thing. And if chefs keep going back and they keep mm. fucking singing your praises, that's for me the biggest compliment you could ever have. It's a balance, like not being so chefy that it's it's not translated onto the plate where it's like too the focus is way too much on that you've got to really be in the know to understand it. You know, you can't be so blinkered. You got to be thinking of the guest at all times. And I think what Allegro and Perilla in particular do. Is like a chef will look at it and just, you know, understand sort of how they got there, but it's not sort of it's a rigid poncy and all that and like little bits of food here and there. It's tasty. Like you, you just sit there and you, it's delicious food. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's delicious. They're not worried about where that chervil's put. But it's also if you're not in the industry, you look at it and think, how the fuck did they do that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's the ultimate goal. I think a balance between those two things. Someone I know did a trial at Perilla. And he said that it was really cool because they were, I, I don't know all the chefy terms. They had some sort of leafy veg that they turned almost 
translucent. Almost translucent. Well, I'm not compressing it. Secrets. No. But yeah, it's little things like that. I just gave it away. No, he's Sorry, very ben. clever, Ben. He's a good friend of ours, smashing bloke, and he's done a really, really amazing job. What kind of dishes, for example, can you say? Like, what kind of food do they do? That mushroom tart thing they did was... Yeah, well, he changes his menu often. Like which also food. I like. It's not like it doesn't... It changes that often that you want to go back. It's just so natural looking. You know, everything's the shape it is. Everything tastes and of what it is. You know, it's just minimal messing around with you. But it's a fun restaurant. We love you, Ben, and your restaurant. <laughs> yeah, man. We've got to stop talking and bigging them up. <laughs> yeah, you've got to big up yours. Yeah. No, you should go to Birch. Do you do afternoon tea? No, it's one thing. I wouldn't have took the job. <laughs> Why? That and no room bit, service. Bit too much. I mean, I can't do afternoon tea. What, making cucumber sandwiches? Do you know what I mean? It's well, just not, not really my what you vibe. Do, yeah. Macaroons, mm-hmm. whatever well, it is. It's just not me. I, yeah. So what is your thing? What kind of things are on the menu? So it's all, it's all based on British seasons. It's all based on like cooking with the seasons. And when I say that, it's not just like the four seasons. It's pretty much like, for example, if peas are in season, a lot of chefs will just use them as soon as they can get them till the moment they can't. But there's a process in that where like they're really young and sweet and lovely when they first come out. By the time they get to the end, they're really chalky and horrible. So we just won't use them at that point. So we basically just use stuff when it's at its peak. So when I say seasonal, it's like... The sweet spot. Yeah. Like, you know, asparagus is great. When it's first in, it's shit at the end. And we forage a lot of stuff to, like, process it so we can use it through all the months in the year. So if it's, like, wild garlic, we'll turn it into oil and then we'll season stuff with... or dress stuff with wild garlic oil, like, even in the winter. We do this, like, crostard. So crostard is like a... It's like a beer batter. It's like a casing for a snack. And we're doing it with uh, smoked cod's row, raw pea... So they've got to be nice, sweet peas, otherwise the whole dish is shit. Sounds cool. It changes a lot. Like we just try and change stuff up a lot as much as possible, mm. cooking with what's available. And how does it work? When people come to your restaurant, do they have sharing plates? Do you have one main each, one starter each? Well, I've got two restaurants. So one of them is, is basically a British brasserie, so that's like classics. That's like shepherd's pie, trifle, a rotisserie chicken. Like it's all just delicious, tasty food that you want to eat. The other restaurant is a tasting menu, dictated by what I want to cook. And you can only have the taste. You can only have tasted. You can have like the vegetarian option or the vegan option, whatever, but it's dictated by what me and the team want to cook and what's available to us and what we're growing and whatever else. So you don't use the stuff that you grow in the brasserie? No, that's solely for the, the more fine dining one. That's our little yeah. play, that's our little playground. So you cook so so you grow your food Not you all of it. it, it's our first Not year. It's it. a it's a work in progress, but we're we're getting there. Have, yeah. you, have you ever watched The Menu? Oh, do you know what? I haven't. Everyone keeps banging on about it. I should so, watch it. It's a film about... Um, it's kind of like... What's it called in Wales? Inshir. Inshir. I yeah. don't know how you say it. But is, it's is like... Is that restaurant on it? No, no. Not, in, not on the menu. But it's similar. So it's kind of like they grow all their veg, veg there. Basically, the film is these really, really rich, fancy people go to this restaurant. They go all the time. It's like a massive experience. So you go in a boat to the restaurant on this island. Is it fictional? It's fictional, yeah, and then they lock them in and they basically say it's this whole thing about how these people expect things in such a certain way, such a certain service, and then I think they all get killed at the end. So it sounds, that sounds like, amazing. It sounds like Saw. <laughs> yeah, it's, sword it's actually... It, they all get killed. Yeah, it was a very... <laughs> you know you've now just ruined the whole thing for me. I right? know, sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> no, but you kind of think they will anyway at the start. They, you get told. So okay. they get in, they lock the door, and they're like, "You're not coming out." We should do that. But you get, you you're not coming out. You're not coming out. 
but you're gonna have a really great meal but it's a really weird meal like they get given really die. strange stuff yeah sounds fun yeah you <laughs> should watch it watch it but anyway that's what i always think of when i think of somewhere that grows its own food you go you i think yeah, a lot of people don't realize if you wanted to grow your own food for a restaurant so the amount of space you need even if you're doing like yeah. 20 people a night you need fields and fields of space yeah so like him and saying you, need you know time as well oh, gotcha well yeah you need someone who really knows what they're doing also like it's our first year and the other restaurant i did it was we started growing our own veg but the first year is just like a trial period you, you fuck so much stuff up mm. like we, both places i've done it we don't use any pesticides so it's like you think that's all cool and like that's the way it should be but what you what the reality is you no, get the carrots are <laughs> they're all been eaten by yeah. shit and it's like i want perfect leaves why is there holes in it and it's like, well, that's what happens. And it's like, oh, right, okay. So to kind of get your head around that and, like, realising that it's a really nice thought process and dream, but the reality of it is fucking tough. So have you got a specialist in for that? Or are you we doing a, We have a team research? of gardeners. Okay. They're great. Hayley, she's fantastic. But they're not including in, included in your kitchen team. For example, do they grow the vegetables and then do they come into the restaurant and tell the chefs about the ingredients? Yeah, yeah but we work really closely. So they bring, every day they just go, right, this is what I've got. Well, this is what's coming up. We go cool. That's how. That's what's going to go on the menu. And then sometimes it turns up, and you go, oh, I can't use that. It's got holes in it. It's a really nice sort of synergy of working, and it's very. As a chef, I get a lot. A lot of chefs. They got better now, but a lot of chefs in the past, we didn't know where stuff comes from. No. We didn't know how, like if things were grown underground or on a bush or on a tree. So it's sort of like, as I've got older, I've been questioning myself. Like, how does an aubergine grow? Mm. Like the fuck? You just don't just get an aubergine. How does that grow? Mm. You know, mm. it's like, and then when you start growing your own stuff, you're like, oh, that's the process. That's how it works. So you get the flour and you get the seed, whatever it may be, and then mm. vegetable, and it's like, oh. <laughs> Have you had that thing of, All the same size. I feel like you get things from suppliers, they look a certain way, then you grow it yourself, and you think, oh, it doesn't look exactly like how. Yeah, we sent, well, I mean, restaurants, I mean, we used to send stuff back if it wasn't uniform, but now it's all about being more organic and like, Celebrating the wonky carrot. Literally. I feel like it's nice to know that someone hasn't fiddled with your food too much as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's just, you know, focusing on what's important. What is important is about how, how it tastes. Not how it looks. You know what I mean? Yeah. The carrot, yeah. Carrot's not meant to be square. <laughs> it's like fish. We used to trim fish to be square. Yeah. Fish, no, there's no square fish. <laughs> Do you no? know what I mean? Well, not that I've seen. No, neither. No. Yeah. I hope I never see that either. Shrewin is out, thank God. Yeah. So now that you work at the hotel, yep. how has that worked with you and your relationships and stuff? How has that been with a chef? It's definitely a certain type of lifestyle relationship. Do you mean in, in, in my relationships in general? Yeah. I mean, yeah. My, I mean, I haven't properly spoke to my family for months. They probably hate me, but I think they know the deal now where it's like Lee's open the restaurant or hotel let him get on with it for a bit well, yeah, it's tough it is tough like what well, we speak very rarely now mm. but like you only got solid friends and stuff it doesn't matter how often you speak well, I think you just don't realise you, so, you just know they're going through something it's like right yeah. they just let him get on with it he'll shout to me when he yeah I think mean, you just don't realise when it's so busy, three you months have like gone by so long. and you're like fuck um, I ain't spoke to this person for ages yeah, yeah. I think it's just making use of the time, well, I don't speak for myself, but now I have two days off every week 
and I had the same days off every week, which is the first time in my life I've ever had that. I love it, and I don't think I could ever. It, didn't yeah, I don't think I could ever go back. Having random days off. Yeah, well, growing up, we were always just, you know, it was a rotor, and you very rarely had the same days off. You were lucky if you got two together. Quite often, it would be just one here and then one there, and you spend that day sleeping. Wake up really late, get drunk, <laughs> have a beer, and then not be able to sleep that night because you've slept for fourteen hours or something. You know, so it's a vicious cycle. So having a bit of routine is really important for all the team here. It's something that we, you know, we're really quite strict on because it is, it is so important. Because we ask so much of them. You know, they work really hard for us. So I said, it's sort of the least you can do, really, give people. And I, all as well for us not opening lunch. We do Saturday lunch, mm. but the lack of sleeping we were talking about was because you'd work at night, you'd leave, but get the last tube if you're lucky. Or, you fall, asleep eight, or fall asleep on it. Yeah. And then wake up the wrong staff. And yeah, that's definitely yeah. happened. And then generally, you'd have to start at eight or seven in the morning the next day because you were open for lunch. Yeah. That's another question. You know, why do you, why'd you have to start at seven when you open at 12? It's just like, so much prep. I really can't be asked to go into it, mate, but there is... You wouldn't more, believe. More than you think. I used to say, literally, it, it's got to be one of the only jobs. You look at the clock and you want it to slow down. <laughs> you don't want it to speed up. You're looking at it thinking, fuck, how's it, how's it half nine? I've got so much to do. I've got loads of diamonds to prep. A lot more to do, mm. I think. I think it depends how many covers you do as well. If you're doing so many every day. Yeah. But then it depends yeah, it really how complicated the dishes as it well. It really depends on what the food is. Like fine dining restaurants back in the day, they were the menus were big. You may have like eight starters, eight mains, but what actually went on the plate? There'd be often eight. Well, he worked for Tom Akins, who's notorious for putting too many things on the plate. Well, not too many, but he's. No, I, I mean, I, I love you, Tom. You know, I love you, but like, that, yeah, I mean, he he, he 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 went overboard. But I learned so much from that. Well, yeah, you know, there might be seven dishes or whatever, but each dish would have I don't know. 10, 15 components, which all take a long time to do. Just thinking about restaurants and everything, where's somewhere not in England that you've been and is, do you think, the best for food? I have to say, Noma, um, it's very, it's a very thought-provoking restaurant. Like, it's, I stage there. Staging means that you work for free, basically. So I stage there for a, a bit. And How I just, long? Um, I think it was a few months. I just remember now, it was years ago. But it was like, you just, they look at food in a different way. And it just opened my eyes to like, think about not just classic French cooking, it was more about, it's not, it was, well, it's Nordic cooking, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think they were thing. sort of at the forefront of, of how, what we were saying earlier. It changed the, the, the whole ideology of food and like how chefs looked at it and how they approached ingredients and the flavours they put together and the combinations they put together. Yeah, so that, that was always a restaurant that I sort of admire would that have a tasting menu was it because yeah, I've heard of it before it's fully tasting are they yeah. the fermentation gods that I hear they about? are very good at fermentation because that's become such a massive thing in London yeah probably because of them yeah, yeah definitely so. it was a bit of a fad wasn't it but it's yeah, also they, really healthy for you mm. yeah. they so caused a massive stir certainly when they came into sort of our radar Everyone was looking at what they did. A bit like Heston Blumenthal, the fat duck. It was like, how the fuck are you doing that? You know, he, he completely turned pretty much how everyone did things on his head. What did he do differently? I think for us growing up, it was always like... Classic ingredients. Do what I say and don't ask me why. It'd be like, well, why do we do it like this? But like, don't ask me that, just fucking do it. It's almost like the repertoire was a lot smaller. People were kind of just 
recreating the same dish and it was like who can do this dish the best yeah you know it's like if you want to make a terrine be like this is how we do it and this is the best and only way of doing it basically no one really knew they just knew it worked no one questioned it. no because it worked and no one really it was foolproof but he basically just tore the, the rule book up like questioned everything and i think it could probably because he wasn't well, he says self-taught, but I don't think he went through the ranks of kitchens as most people did. He just sort of looked at it from a different perspective, just debunked so many myths and actually worked out how best to do certain things. He was like, everyone does chips like this, but he worked out, if you want a crispy, fluffy chip, this is, black and white, the best way of doing it. And now everyone and, does it. And he explained it in a way where everyone could go, well, yeah, actually, that makes sense. And so a crispy chip... A crispy chippy. A chip is crispy because <laughs> of X, Y, and Z. He found the perfect temperature to cook things and the best way of removing moisture and then the perfect temperature of oil to get it. You know, he did that. And, I've, and I certainly took loads from it. I really sort of got my head around it and looked at cooking differently, really. So, yeah. So yeah. I think a lot of people owe a lot to him. I really do. Having worked in so many different places, what would you recommend for someone who perhaps maybe as a young chef thinking about what they're going to do, how would they decide where they should work in London? Mm, good question. The thing is, with London now, there's so much choice. Like, they are spoiled for choice. I just think pick somewhere that you love the food and something that you want to get out of bed for, you want to eat. Like, if we think about restaurants we worked in the past, some of the food I actually didn't really want to eat, but I was there to learn. Yeah. But my point now is, like, if you're going to work hard and do all the hours, work somewhere that you actually fucking love respect the foods, respect the concept, and you genuinely want to eat that food. Same as like now, I want to try and create food that I want to eat. I think before it was more like creating food to impress people, or to get accolades, whatever it may be, but now it's just like, actually, do I want to eat that? Nah, then fuck it off. Mm. Or just put something on a plate that you actually genuinely go, that's fucking tasty. Yeah. And I'll make it look nice. <laughs> I'll give it a go. But it's tasty. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Both of you, where's been your favourite place that you've worked? I don't know what Windows was from. <laughs> Windows was from. We made, I made a lot of mistakes, but it was we, we had a laugh. It's funny, it's like, going back to what you were just saying, I don't think favourite's really the wor- word. I think it's more like maybe the most beneficial or where you learnt the most. I don't, it, I don't think fa- a favourite sort of... See, it, it wasn't really about enjoyment. It was more just... What you got of, out of it. Yeah. Yeah, what did it do for me or what did I learn? And it all just depends on what stage of your career. It's like Tom Aikens, I did four years. And genuinely the first two years I fucking hated it. And I remember just calling you, like yeah. calling my mum going, I hate it. Yeah. What was the reason you hated it? Because he was hard on me and I was like being pushed. But if you ask me now, that was four years of my best life. Did that make sense? Because yeah, because I wouldn't be where I was today without that experience. Yeah. But think- at the time it was tough. Yeah, so that's what I mean. I don't think you'd say it's your favourite place, but in terms of, yeah, if, I, if I didn't work there, I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. Then yeah, definitely. I don't really know what it is for me. I have genuinely enjoyed everywhere I've worked. I've not hated anywhere I've worked. I worked for the Galvin Brothers for years, and I loved it both times I worked for them. I worked for Andre Garrett at Windows, and before that, a place called The Orrery, which is a very similar experience to what you were saying about Tom Aikens. It was fucking hard. Terribly hard. Terribly hard. But you'd never change it, though. No, but do I regret it? No, I don't, man. It kind of makes you who you are. It? It's character building. And for me, I was lucky. I worked there really early on in my cooking life. I was 
17 to 20 I worked there and I think if I'd have worked there at any other point in my life I probably would have not put up with it or jacked it in but then because I did it so young and I I don't want to say survived but, <laughs> yeah. but I did it I just thought anywhere I go from here well you didn't have any authority you can't be no, difficult yeah, it, can't nothing can be as hard as that I just felt like I had a lay, another layer of armour really anywhere I went didn't matter because there was literally no way it could have been harder I couldn't have worked any more hours I couldn't have been under any more pressure the way that you look at chefing as a career that <coughs> you've done do you see it as something this isn't me thinking anything about anyone but is it do you think you see it in a bravery way like you were brave going into it or is it just something that you went into and you thought I'm scared to try something else or was it brave mm. in terms of you went in you thought it was oh, like a oh challenge God, yeah it was like a it was like an like you gave yourself an award for like yeah I've done the most hours or I can survive yeah. I can work 18 hours but like that's mental but we've it's the only way to get through it is to like tell yourself that that's a fucking a challenge that you've yeah I don't think it was a case of I'm just going to put up with this because I don't know what else to do it was like I think you need you need a love for it and you need a, you need to sort of some feel some sort of affiliation where you you feel like you've got enough to sort of succeed in it I think if I was just absolutely useless and I could not cook for toffee and it didn't come to me within a couple of months, I'd have probably just been like, look, it's not for me. But I think straight away, I just, it just I think it just suits a certain, some people, well, I certainly felt like that and I, I think you did too. I think it just, you know, I liked things in order. I liked doing things properly. I was inquisitive and I was amazed, like, I remember the first time I was in a kitchen I saw someone cutting hundreds of onions. When I was a kid, I didn't even eat onions. I was like, what the fuck is he doing with all these onions, man? And then he made onion soup and I tried it and I could not believe that what onions where? can, do you know what I mean? I couldn't believe it. I Honestly, I didn't even believe it was, I thought he was joking. And I think I always had that. I was amazed at what, what cooking, what you can do with just fucking vegetables, for example. Fuck all. I didn't eat vegetables, really. I mean, I was so fussy. So oh, I think yeah. you need to be naturally inquisitive and it just suits a certain kind of people. Also, we're both from big families. You're one of five, six. Six, I'm one of six. Mm. So for me, like, I'm like him. I didn't grow up, like, my, I didn't grow up on a vineyard or a farm or, like, yeah. I mean, we ate just basic food. Basically, I think my mum just cooked the mass. Yeah. Basically, like, it was just, like, feed the fuckers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I've got to feed all my six children. Yeah. So, like... I, like Zach I didn't know what things were you know and then we go to the kitchen it's like scallops lang I'm like what the fuck are these things yeah they're alive <laughs> they're fucking moving <laughs> you know and then you've got someone screaming at you going that's not right and you're like I don't know what it is yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's just you just learn a whole new world have your siblings gone into similar kinds of no I've always, I've always told them not to why no I mean I shouldn't say that but um no, the truth, to be honest, none of them were interested. I don't think any of them could do it, to be honest. Yeah. They, think, they my, think I'm nuts. Yeah, one of my brothers worked for a little bit in the kitchen. But yeah, it's just not for everyone. I think you, you just fun, you have to put up with a lot, especially at the beginning. I always had in my mind it's worth it. You know, it's a long game, isn't it? It's, uh, uh, because I just felt like it's something I could do and be good at. And I just feel so lucky that I fell into it, completely fell into it. I didn't even, 
I mean, I left school and didn't think I'll be a chef. I just thought, yeah. as soon as I can leave some form of education, I don't want to sit in another classroom some cash. again. Yeah. And my dad's like, yeah, fine, do what you want, but you've got to do something. I remember he says, what do you want to do? And I thought, I'd love to travel. And he said, well, if you can cook, then you can travel, cause you, and you'd always get a job. But then I never fucking actually did it. <laughs> I never went, well, like Lee went to Asia for a year or two. Yeah, Hong Kong, I lived in Hong Kong, yeah. Great experience. I mean, I loved it. I loved the whole, the whole culture and like the change, but it just made me think, I do love London. I miss those, gr- those gritty East London back streets. I mean, oh, that sounds silly. I'd say a gritty back street in Hong Kong is probably oh, yeah. a bit more gritty. Too. A lot more gritty, yeah. I mean, it's, it was an eye opener. The place is crazy. Really good. Really, really like delicious food. Like, what kind of things did you cook? Well, I actually cooked like, uh, it was, I actually cooked tapas. It was like Spanish f- uh, food. But just the, like going to the wet market and the meat market is just different. You know, you just learn new stuff. You just find new things you've never seen before. I remember there was just like eels just on the floor. Like around, I was like, what the fuck's going on? You know, like in the wet market. God. Yeah. What a different type of culture, just environment. Just, yeah, just like, it, yeah, it's just an eye-opener. It's just so different. But I love that. It's like just learning. Throwing yourself into the deep end and learning a load of new shit that you never normally know. Mm-hmm. When did you get back? From Hong Kong. Yeah. 2014. That's when I, ty- I got offered typing room. In the town hall. Is it Hackney Town Hall? Bethnal Green Town Hall? Town Hall Hotel. It, it used to be a town hall of one of the boroughs. Yeah, it's, it's a hotel now. Um, and I had the restaurant at the bottom. It's funny because the person I worked for in Hong Kong, Jason Afferton, I was like, look, I love Hong Kong, but it's, yeah, I miss London, it's not for me. Um, I'll do it until you sort of need me, but I want to do something else. And then he was like, oh, I've got this, I've got this restaurant. So one of his investors owns Town Hotel. He was like, I've got this restaurant. Um, one of my investors needs a chef. Do you want it? And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then my phone just started going mad in my pocket. I remember looking at it and it was like, Lee Westcott has been appointed as the new head chef of, and I was like, uh-huh. I remember Jason was like, what the fuck have you done? <laughs> he was like, well, it's the biggest mistake you're making. So I made the decision for you. And I was like, you now know I can't back out. I was yeah, like, I told you I'm was, not ready, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it put a bit of a rocket up my ass and realised actually I've just got to do this. I weren't ready, but do you know what? You're never ready. You just got to. No. If you've got the sort of determination and the grit and the graft in you to do it, you'll succeed. Mm. You know, and I learned it as I as I went on. It was honestly like I shit myself. It was one, but it was one of the best things that ever that ever happened to me. It created my own profile and like I guess my name got out there in the industry a bit and yeah and it was a great restaurant and it was literally around the corner right do you want to ask these questions yeah hit me we've got a few quick fire questions to ask Let's you do it it's about getting to know the person behind the chef what don't chefs just love cooking and that's it oh no do you know what I mean like just <laughs> I'm joking just that you are you are a real person am and I you don't just uh you know, yeah. just a work You do boss. other stuff. I'm a real man. <laughs> so, when were you born? June the 7th, 1986. Where? Stevenage. Of all places. Stevenage. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's from Stevenage. I've never been to Stevenage. That is a random place. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, there's nothing there. Apart from my family. There's a few other people kicking
Makes sense why you came to London. Yeah. What's your nationality? British. What colour's your hair? Used to be ginger. Now, luckily. <laughs> what do you mean, blonde. luckily? You're sitting next to me. <laughs> well, I was, I was a right, I was a right <laughs> ranger. I had like, I was short, big ears. Bright and I had a bowl cut. Um, so what are you saying? You're considerably more handsome now. Oh, much more handsome. <laughs> I'm a good-looking motherfucker. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. What was your first job? It's funny, right? I've always lied about this. It's the first time I've actually. My, I've always said like my first job was in a country pub. It wasn't. It was at a place called Fatty Arbuckles. Right. Fatty Arbuckles was basically uh, a chain of fucking like an American diner. Yeah. What was your job? Just skivvy. I was just like, oh, mate, it was, it was loads of microwaves. It was about six microwaves. But one thing I did learn there was like how to be told what to do, how to turn up on time, how to clean. Hmm. And also just like, a, we had a grill, so we had steaks. I remember we, I was like 17, I'd be cooking like 50 steaks. I learned how to you touch meat. Learn how to touch meat and like realise that that's well done. That, that needs a little bit longer. And like, that's a skill where you only learn from fucking it up. What's your favourite part of London? East. Always East. I fucking love East. Nice. Yeah, fuck. You should be the mayor of East London. I mean, I'd never would now live... Oh, I'll say that. I'm looking at moving, but... East. I love East. Uh, football team or not? I don't like football. This has always been a funny thing. Wow. Like, Get out. Kitchens. Chefs love talking and wanking about football and it's like and I remember again that's like, Steven, I remember some people going to me oh you're, you must be gay if you don't like football and I was thinking that's ridiculous mm. that's like just because yeah. I don't like football do you so like sport? I like playing it I don't like watching it apart from tennis and snooker Interesting. they're quite therapeutic don't like watching football at all it's funny because I just I did I worked at the I did uh, the World Cup uh, work for Jason Efferton in guitar and luckily we got to watch every single game and yeah, my friends amazing. were like so annoyingly jealous of me yeah was, highly annoying he doesn't even fucking watch football I was watching football. he I went was, to the World Cup and watched every game he went to the World Cup final that's so cool and it, for me do you know what I fell in love with football right I came back and I was like um, that's it I love football I haven't watched the game since. <laughs> <laughs> but what I liked about it was like the passion. If you had to support a team, just Arsenal. Fuck Only off. because my favourite colour is red. Briefs or boxers? Depends what's clean. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, depends what's kicking about. Or nothing. <laughs> or nothing. If there's none kicking about, I don't wear anything. <laughs> Tea or coffee? Coffee. I like both, but coffee. Coffee's my stimulant, I guess. Smoke or no smoke? I do smoke. I wish I didn't, but I do. More now, because I think I'm more stressed than I've been for a while, so I smoke more, which is a really bad habit. Mm-hmm. Cats, dogs, or neither? I'm allergic to both. Oh, yeah. But I, oh, yeah, I, know that. I, wished, I wish that I could have a dog. I like that companionship. Um, someone always loves you. You know, your dog always loves you, even if you're an arsehole. Yeah. Dog always loves you because you feed it. <laughs> But yeah, I can't have any, it's unfortunate. Always loves you because you feed it. Does that, is that how you feel about your guests? Yeah, well, they don't yeah. always love me. No. <laughs> Depends what you feed them. Yeah. Coolest person ever. You. In the history of the world. You. No, uh, the no in the history of the world, <laughs> in the, Jim Morrison. Yeah. Complete reprobate, but what a dude. Yeah. What coolest a cool... person you know then. You. Shut up. That's no, I mean it. Zach <laughs> is the coolest motherfucker I know. Top three songs 
see how he quickly passed past that yeah. one. What, why is he the coolest person oh, you know? Fuck off, don't no, 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 this, this should be said, I agree. Uh, he's just effortless, effort, <laughs> effortlessly cool. He, he pisses me off. Don't, man. Um, I'm giving the hand one underneath the table, I'm joking. <laughs> top three songs of all time. Uh, top three That's songs. That's so hard, isn't it? It is, but... What comes straight out your head? Lover, Madly, The Doors. Uh, 505, Arctic Monkeys, oh, yeah. and Weird Fishes, Radiohead. Weird Fishes? Yeah, I, I never used to like Radiohead. You do know the song. Do you know what? I, I have a similar relationship with Radiohead. I didn't really get... I think I didn't get them. But now, fucking hell, I love them. Do you know what? It's, I love them. All my friends call them Radio Dead. Because it's just like... Uh, depressive. Think they think it's depressive, but I find it like fucking fantastic music. I think a lot of people feel it's a bit up your own ass music, but Tommy and it also Tommy is, is when you say genius. things like you just don't get it. It's so so wanky. <laughs> so <wanky. laughs> but honestly, I really like them now. I really do. I get the I get the wanking over yourself in terms of like the Smiths. I think I get. Yeah, that I'm, a a, I'm not a big fan. Of I get that. I love the Smiths. They're another one I've come round to that I, wow. I really love. No, I, I just think like music. Morrissey I think because everybody like loved no. them. I was like, I don't want to love what everyone loves. Yeah, Morrissey as a person, whatever. But the music. If you just literally think about the music, it's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. The musicianship, shit, songs, everything. I love. It. Right, next one. <laughs> Top three artists or band. <laughs> the Doors. Jim Morrison, uh, Arctic, I have to say Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, I have They're like, they are, that was like a soundtrack to my life, I think. Every album they brought out was like, oh my God, that's where I'm at in my life. Right, next one. Favourite country to visit? <laughs> to visit? Well, actually. To eat food. I'd say, yeah, everything. Oh, that's what, Spain is both, to be fair. Yeah. Have you ever been to San Sebastian? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I want to so go. I want to go. I'm going so for bad. a friend's birthday. Oh shit! It's supposed to be a secret. Um, going <laughs> for a friend's birthday. I wouldn't know who it is. Uh, in a few, in a few, in a few weeks. But like Spain for me is just like I just loved it. I think the language is so sexy. I find the food just like delicious. Mm. It doesn't change. You yeah. know what you're getting. Yeah. It's hot. It's a lovely hot country. The women are beautiful. I love that that you said Spain. It's like because everyone, nearly everyone's gone to Spain. You know, you could yeah. say something like, oh yeah, I'd love to go to fucking Nicaragua or something. But yeah, Spain. Spain, I love Spain. <laughs> Favourite item of clothing you own? These trousers I'm wearing, they're like pajamas. Uh, these are Unicorn, they're women's. Interesting. I'm, Interesting. I'm, I'm a short man. So go on, describe them. Uh, so they're basically just like loose trousers. It's funny because I always used to wear like tight jeans trying to be an indie kid. And now I'm like, now I just want to wear pajamas. I'd say they're quite indie as well, actually. Oh, they're so. You're trying to sound cool. Yeah, they are so. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm such they're a follower. They're kind of like very light linen. Yeah. Light linen. What colour? Very are they? East London, I'd say. And also women's. Just what colour are they? They are. What colour are these? Cream. Cream. Yeah. All you need is a pair of Dr. Martens and a moustache. Well, I am wearing well, he's got some Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks on the same. Chef. <laughs> yeah. You slip them on and off. Easy. No tying up shoelaces. Okay. Let's move swiftly on from those linen trousers. <laughs> Favourite condiment? Ketchup. All day long. Oh, bacon sarnie. Can't be. If I made a bacon sarnie and I didn't have ketchup, I wouldn't eat it. I wouldn't say ketchup, but... No, this is a, there's a, definitely a place for ketchup. I'm put off mustard because when I was younger, if I swore, my mum fed me a spoonful of <laughs> almonds. Oh. I mean, I, I, 
you know it about stopped it. me from swearing. Yeah, yeah. You know well, about it didn't. It didn't. In front of me, mum, it did. <laughs> Favourite film? Uh, Drop Dead Fred. Favourite book? Sheffy Wise, Kitchen Confidential, that like yeah. rock and roll. That guy's a legend. Um, sorry, yeah, he still is a legend. Um, made me want to be a chef, made me want to be cool. It helped me and you, for example, to get through all those hours thinking, oh, this is my lifestyle. Yeah. It's not just a job. I guess, it's something making, I guess it's something making something cool again. Like, I see loads of things now saying the Bear series has made being a chef really sexy again. Yeah, I've not watched Chefs that. have always been That's sexy. Good. Yeah, and I'm like, they always Especially have. Especially that chef for. <laughs> yeah. And their little hats. <laughs> Favourite pub? The Golden Heart. One of our favourite pubs. It's my favourite. Ran by Sandra, who's an absolute legend. Yeah, she's one of my favourite people. Zach introduced me to the Golden Heart. He's Where is it? Commercial uh, Street. Back of Spitalfields Market. Next to, uh, what's that big shop? All Saints. It's, on one, the it's one of the only pubs that is, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, it's one of the only pubs that has a licence till like, that could basically open 24 hours. Favourite wine? Do you know what? It's funny, I right? Don't know. I it's funny, know. right? As a, as a chef, people think that I've, 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 I believe I have a decent, half decent palate, but I'll drink any old plonk. I would. I don't really care. Like, I, I think I know food when it comes to wine. I don't really care. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get the whole wine thing. I, I do, but I appreciate it. But for me, like, I... Are you an orange wine type of bloke, though? Would you have I mean, an orange wine? Skin contact. Yeah, it's yeah, just, <laughs> just give me what, give me some Lambrini. Was that what, no, no Lamb, oh, Lambrizo? No, Lambrini. I'm joking. That's the stuff from Aldi. Though, Basically, like that. I would rather drink beer. Okay. Favorite radio station? Do you listen to radio? I listen to radio every day. It's only Radio Six, but I tell you what, they're going, they are going off piste at the minute. Since Sean Keaveney left, seriously, it's, I really, well, really loved listening to Sean Keaveney. Craig Charles has got his slot now, which he, he plays some good stuff, but I do miss Sean Keaveney. I love Lauren Laverne in the morning. Yeah, but she's, she just, sometimes I'm like, turn the radio off, because it's like, I need to take oh, some acid no. to this. No. <laughs> I like, and I like on a Sunday, I like Guy Garvey's show, I like Iggy Pop's show. Yeah, Iggy Pop's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I listen to Six Music too. That's the only radio social listen to, basically. You're not a smooth FM kind of guy. Oh, no, only when I'm getting down to it. Capital. <laughs> getting down to what? But a bit smooth on. Getting down to getting what? To Rolling pasta. Getting down to, getting down to it. <laughs> um, one to watch. So by that I mean someone chef. in your team or you worked with before who's coming up, no one knows yet, but is going to be going to do bits in the... This. I've got two chefs that work for me that I think are going to do this. Lawrence and Rashid. Rashid used to work for Zach as well. Do you know what's really nice about Rashid? Like Rashid we've, we've watched him grow up from being a young shit cook, right? Like we all were at some point. And now he's a decent cook. And like, he has an input on my menu. And he like, and like, me and Zach have put actual real effort into educating and like, progressing this guy and it's really nice to see someone that you've helped into like a a position where they're actually like they have a voice and they have talent yeah so he's it's very it's very rewarding yeah so Rashid's from where I'm from literally on the same street he's best friends with a couple of my brothers and uh, he's worked for Lee and I I think in like 
for me, maybe two or three restaurants, him two, one or two. Two of them, yep. Yeah. He's worked for Ben, we spoke about earlier, he's worked for yeah, he's, some really good chefs. Also one to watch, I think, if we're, if we're just talking about chefs, Kirk Hayworth. Kirk, do you know Kirk? No. Mate, it's, he's food, he's, I it's, think it's he's all f- vegan. Where does he work? I don't think he has a restaurant at the moment, I think he's open somewhere, but he just does stuff. I look at it and I'm like, that ain't vegan. I'm really vegetable based, like my food is more vegetable based than protein. And I look at his food and I'm in awe of it. And I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? And I even message him, how do you do it? He tells me and I'm like, you're the man. Like, thanks for sharing your knowledge. I think a lot of chefs, it's getting better now, but a lot of chefs for years didn't want to cook vegan food, didn't want to think about anything but protein. But the veg should be celebrated. And he's just fucking good at it. Things are starting to change. Noted. Yeah. <coughs> five dinner guests, so... What, five? Yeah, if you, if you could invite five people in the history of the world around for dinner, who would they be? I mean, you're the sixth person, right? You're there. No, 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 Louis Farouk. I'll watch that. Louis oh, Farouk. Of course, yeah. Joe doesn't love him. He's the next national treasure he's after just, Dave, isn't he? Also, he's so awkwardly funny. He would say shit that you go, oh. <laughs> but that's fucking funny. <laughs> Jim Morrison, obviously, mm-hmm. if he was alive. Alex Turner, David Attenborough. That'd um, be a good one. What? I mean. David Attenborough and Louis threw together. Yeah. Imagine. And then I reckon. A, 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 like a, le- a, a legend off. Did yeah. I say Alex Turner? Or was it a, Jamie yeah. T? Jamie T. Jamie T. Is he the one that did the song Sheila? Yeah. Because yeah. Sheila goes it. out with her. No, that was wrong. He's another no, that's one. It. Who, Sheila. It was a huge part. He loves Jamie T. Yeah, everyone used to sing that to me. He was a huge part of. Well, he's the same age as us as well. So when he came out, I've seen him countless. He's fucking brilliant. I saw him last week actually at Finsbury Park. Did you go? Yeah. Oh fuck! I had tickets, but I couldn't go. That's good. And then last one, your Desert Island Mill free course. Yeah. So prawn cocktail. Classic nostalgia. Tasty, Do you know what though? My mum, mm. I only eat prawn, it's funny, right? I only eat prawn cocktail once a year, Christmas. Anyway, that, and then, do you know what? I love a roast, so it's got to be a lamb roast and then a sticky toffee pudding. You can't be a fucking oh sticky toffee God. pudding. Oh he my loves God. It's just indulgent. It's, in, it's indulgent. And the drink would be in a groony. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm four deep by now. Yeah, you've, you, I'm four deep at this them, point. They've been pre's. Well, they You'd have Negroni throughout. With the prong cocktail, yeah. Before that. Think about that. I can imagine a Negroni with the lamb roast. Are you Negronis having, go well with anything. Are you having mint sauce? <sighs> what? what? No. What? Do you know what? I'm only into the, the jarred stuff. Yeah. If, yeah, if yeah, Zach yeah. makes it, I'm not into it. Or I make it. I just don't want the fresh stuff. I want the jarred shitty stuff. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But okay, that's yeah, fine. then yes, I'm having it. Yorkshire pudding or no? Hey. Fuck off, how can you They're just a plate spacer thing, aren't they? They're like... No. I don't really care about them either. I just... Oh my God. It's, it's so boring. No. Would you have cauliflower cheese? I hate it. Okay, wait. You're a freak. What the fuck? You're saying roast is your favourite meal, but you don't have mint sauce, Yorkshire puddings, or cauliflower cheese. But I like all the no, other really stuff. Like you, you're having cheese. gravy, right? Bisto, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Fucking love a roast potato, yeah. Yeah, gotta have those. Got and what They're the best bit. All the veg, hispy cabbage. Hispy cabbage is the best veg. Carrot. Carrot. No parsnip. That's shit. Whoa. We can sack off parsnip. Honestly, I, 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 I think you need to. I'm not going for this. a roast with you. In it. 
Actually, maybe no, I will, because then you can eat everything. Then you'll get all the cauliflower cheese, yeah, yeah and all the parsnips. <laughs> Would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? I can't imagine a chef I think I'm a bit of both. being an introvert, though. That's something else. Oh, I, I, sorry, I do. I, sorry, yeah, I am massively both, like genuinely. My personal life, I'm an introvert, and in my job, I'm the opposite, basically. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you feel you like kind of have to be. You have to put on a. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to put on a persona for your job? Yeah, of course. You know, you've always like, especially like I, you know, I look after a lot of chefs. I, you know, I've a lot. I have a big team. You've always got to be the positive one. You've always got to be the sort of influential one, the one that's the passionate one. You can't have a bad day. So you've always, even if you're having a shit day, you've got to put on a brave face. That makes sense. So yeah, you kind of have to overcompensate sometimes. And then I guess when you're off then, you kind of go, oh, I can just be me. I'll just yeah. be stare at the wall. Oh, I think kitchens, that's another really good thing about the kitchen, is some of the best chefs I know are almost cripplingly shy. The kitchen and they, I think it's because it's... It's it brings out your personality. It's, yeah, but it's also quite rigid and it's almost like you, you're not reliant on your personality. Well, weirdly, How can I explain it? Weirdly, it's kind of like this kind of niche that you're with 24-7. At the start, you're feeling a bit shy, but you grow your own confidence within it. And yeah, then that's what you don't feel scared because you're actually quite safe within the environment. Yeah, because you it know. all comes down to knowledge. I remember a chef I worked with years ago when I was young, and he used to say, knowledge is power, and it's so true. Yeah. Quite a lot of the time, extroverts... In kitchens, I think... Don't do that well. Yeah, no, a because after a while, they get found out because they rely on their... Eat, like their sort of... The force of... Yeah. Their, like, the, the will of their personality. Yeah. But kitchens are not like that because you... Like you get we caught said, you, At the beginning, you, ha you have to prove yourself every day. It's not like you can... You can clock it. Do you know what I mean? It's not a computer game. It's not like you can just be like, well, I know everything there is to know because no one, even the greatest chef ever, is going to know everything. And just be honest. I mean, I, as I got older, I'm now like, I'm like, right, I want to do this on the menu. And I'm like, and they're like, cool, how, how are we going to do it? I'm like, I ain't got a fucking clue. I've seen a photo of it. Looks great. I want to do that. But then I'll apply myself and learn. I'll do the research. I'll fucking try it again and again and again until I know how to do it. Mm. But I won't ever say, lie to my chefs and go, this is how you do it. And give them a shit recipe yeah. that I've not even done myself well you're going to make better chefs if you work as a team anyway because also yeah, then, then when you're, you're saying to them this is how you do something they go right Lee's saying it because that is the best way boss. yeah because that, that, he knows what he's talking about because yeah. if you're like humble and honest it, it's like it just sort of shows that like you don't know everything you know and it's okay to say you don't know everything and yeah, that's, it's always much better to say I don't know but I'll find out yeah. or I'm not sure why don't you have a go, let me know how you get on and then we'll work through it together. Or saying like, yeah. I want to do this. Guys, have you ever done it? Who's done, do you know what I mean? It's like a joint effort rather than like, we don't have to know everything. No. We don't have to like, it's okay to be like, yeah, I ain't got a fucking clue. But we're gonna, do you know what, we're gonna make it happen. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. That was fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gentrification. Zach Lee and I ended up chatting all afternoon running into early evening, 
and it became incredibly obvious to me just how determined, ambitious and thoughtful of others Lee has been throughout his career, and it's really paid off. His new restaurant Elodie in Croydon has recently opened and I can't wait to visit. Thank you so much to Lee for giving up his free time to chat to me, and to Zach for organising this first episode, and providing the beers. I can't wait for the next one.